Welcome to church. So good to have everybody at church. Week number three of our series, Healthy Habits. Everybody that's new and visiting, so good to have you in church. We are a church for the unchurched. What does that mean? Anybody that has never been to church, disconnected, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know God's plan for you, man, you're in the right place. Maybe you're de-churched. You went to church growing up, it didn't make sense, it was irrelevant, man, it just, you never got connected and now you're trying to figure it out as a young adult, maybe trying to figure it out as an adult, uh, whatever it may be, but you're in the right place, that's who we are as a church. And with that, man, we are a church that is a growing church. Come on, somebody. A growing church. Things happening, moving. If you don't know, we've purchased a building. We're still in the design part of that because I was not happy with the kids' area. And that's a personal preference, but I don't want to get to the end of it and be frustrated with it. So we pushed the time out a little bit. We're almost done with that. Then we'll get architectural plans and we'll we get it moving. But uh, it's a large facility. We'll be renovating that. Future's bright for Pearl Street Church. But here's the deal. We are a growing church. And if you were here pre-COVID, uh, you saw the five services, the lines around the building, the madness, right? COVID hits and everything shuts down. And the world is really trying to figure out what does it mean to gather and be in community. And, and so we have four services that we're rolling with now. We started with uh, two, I believe, then we stepped into three. Now we step, put a fourth one on because we were slamming this service and the third service, the uh, 1030 and the 12 uh, p.m. service. So um, what we're doing right now is with this four service, we're trying to fill the four. And so if you're an owner inside of the house and owners inside of the house take responsibility in the house, tithers, givers, servers, people that are owning this house, praying for it, inviting people, owners, uh, what we're asking, man, is that if you could get to the 9 a.m. service, that would really help out the vision of the house because we're here to reach unchurched people. And unchurched people that don't know and are growing and learning, trying to figure this thing out, are more than likely gonna come to the second service and the third service because it's prime time, right? Prime time, they got prime time, you know, time to show your shows and stuff at night. There's prime time church times, right? And so if you're an owner in the house, uh, we're just asking if you can, work, work with us as a church because you're an owner, you get growing. I wanna, fit, I wanna make some space for new people that are coming in that they can get connected and start their journey of faith because we're here and we're called to lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Cool, cool, it's, it's a good thing to be in a growing church, right? Now, if you are new, first step, you gotta get into fundamentals, learn about all that we are, who we are, what we do, why we do it, um, who I am, where I come from, what it's all about, all stuff like that, so you can be an owner inside of this house. The first step on that is open house, and you can sign up to do that. Make sure you hit up the I'm new tent over there, and they'll get you on the journey. Cool? Now, we are in a series here today, um, Healthy Habits, and every year, many of us, we look towards New Year's resolutions, if you will. What is our New Year's resolution? What are the things that we want to personally improve in that makes life better, family better, relationships, so on and so forth? Now, oftentimes, we think about that just in personal optimization, but the beauty is that when we think through a different lens, faith-focused, all of it becomes spiritual optimization. And with that, the byproduct is all the physical stuff. And that's what I'm talking about through this series is that healthy habits is building the rhythms on how we honor God, we serve God, we live for him in every aspect of our life, not just the Sunday experience where we look good, right? But it's an every life experience where we talk good, we look good, you know, we're in relationship good, we're, we're, we're forgiving people good, right? We're serving God, we're abiding, we're connected, we're, you know, all of it. It's not just one thing, it's all of it, but it's all a process. So if you wanna take notes, you can write this across the top of your paper, knowing and growing, knowing and growing, knowing and growing. Last week was vining and dining. The first week was faith focus. Here's the deal. 
with this whole thing on uh, serving and living, the first thing we're trying to do is to be with Jesus. We talked about that last week, vining and dining. If we're connected to the vine, we will produce fruit. For apart, me, from, from, apart from me, you can do nothing is what Jesus would say, right? That's vining and dining. The faith focus, our heart is to honor God. We're focused on our faith and growing inside of it. That was week number one. And so today we'll be talking about knowing and growing. How many of you guys have ever been in a relationship or maybe the spouse that is next to you or the friend that is next to you, the relationship with them started in a different space or place than it is today? The, 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 where your relationship is at is far different than when you first met them. I remember the, the, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, the first time we got together, our spouse and me and my wife were hanging out with him and his wife and uh, the, our wives uh, were in residency together and there was a party we came to and we were connected and relational. We we're sitting there talking about halfway through the conversation, halfway through the night, uh, he looks over at me and he says, you're gonna be my best friend. I've never had anybody do that to me ever inside of my life. Make a statement of you're my best friend. It was like we lived, we experienced, we did life. And then about a year in or whatever, six months in, it was like, you're my best friend. <laughs> Date number one, he was like, you're my best friend. <laughs> now it's weird because guys don't do stuff like that, but he's a different type of guy and he just, uh, whatever, maybe he's prophetic, but we are good friends now. But here's the beauty, our relationship started in a place that's far different than it is today. We've had like 10 years of experience. We've traveled with them. We've gone places. We've cried with them. We've, we've stepped in, Heather and I have stepped in in a very vulnerable time inside of their marriage where it was over. And we stepped in to say, it ain't over until God says it's over. And here today, they're still married and kids are thriving and life is happening. It's beautiful. Amen, it's beautiful. But that happens it happens through relationship. Our relationship started one place, but where it's at today is completely different. Man, it still gives me chills at this moment. I'm like, oh, chilled up. Yeah, it feels good. Ah, relationship, community. I mean, I think about our, my relationship with my wife, where it is today, far different than where it started, right? 16 years of marriage. We just celebrated this last Friday. Your boy's still in the game. Amen. <laughs> Till death do us part or she kills me. I'm in in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> But uh, 16 years of marriage and, and where we started in, in, in seventh grade, getting to meet each other and then eighth grade starting to date. And then uh, freshman year, I wanted to date older girls and I ditched her. And then soft, sophomore year, she, she came into the gym when I was playing basketball and just grabbed my heart. And we've been forever. We've never looked back since then. It was, it was amazing. It's incredible. But where we're at today is far different. The process, this relation is a process of growing together every single year through experiences. And I'll tell you today, if my relationship today, 16 years into marriage, 23, 24 years of dating, six years of baby mama, <laughs> if my relationship was the same today than it was whenever we first started dating in eighth grade, we, there would be a big problem. There would be a lack of growing together. There'd be a lack of learning. There'd be a lack of care. And with that, when it comes to the faith side of it, if we're becoming like Jesus, first we gotta be with them as we talked about last week, but in the process of being with them, there's a becoming that happens in that process. You become like them, right? You become like them and the, and the relationship grows inside of life. And so when we look at this, when we look at faith, we look at it from a standpoint of it starts one place and everybody comes from 
different walks of life all over you know, the spectrum. And that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is it's multiple different people on all different stages of life in the journey. But one thing that unites us in this room here today is Jesus Christ. He found all of us when we were broken. And here today we have given our lives to him. He's El Jefe, our Lord. He's the boss, amen. What he says goes and we're just trying to be like him. So I'm giving the whole message away at the beginning. So if we want to just take the altar call now, we'll go ahead and do that. But, uh, <laughs> but essentially this, Hebrews 5 would say, um, uh, say this, it says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Now, here's the deal. If you've been in church for a long period of time, you've heard people throw this around, but they throw it around in a very... Um, in a judgmental, arrogant way. Uh, milk and meat of the word, and uh, give me the meat and you know, all that madness. It's just ridiculous, and it's really, um, it's spiritual arrogance is what it is. Spiritual arrogance to say, I know more, and look down, and, and that whole bit. And, but the reality of what spiritual maturity is, is this, for someone who lives on milk can still, is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. If you're on the milk, you don't know how to do what is right. So you're still on the fundamentals of what it means to serve the Lord and make right decisions on living a life away from sin, right? And so the, the real thing on spiritual maturity is this, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That's spiritual maturity. I, I've, I have the word in me that everyday circumstances that I live in, I know what the right thing is to do. I know the right thing to say. I know the right care, the right attitude to bring into the environment. I know the right forgiveness that's necessary in order that I don't harm somebody's walk with faith because I am a mature believer, but I'm not here to lord it over them. There's a, there's a right way to make decisions. I know how to treat my wife, my husband, my children. I know how to treat coworkers. I, I'm good, right? There's a mature way to do that. And maturity comes from doing what is right. It's righteousness. As you grow in righteousness, that's maturing inside of your faith. It is not knowledge of the word. There's a lot of people in the church world that know a lot about the word. They don't know how to live the word. There's a lot of religious people that are arrogant. There's a lot of religious people that are judgmental. There's a lot of uh, religious people that are hateful. There's a lot of religious people that are unloving. A lot of people that walk in unforgiveness. A lot of church people that don't have joy of the Lord in the side of their lives. They're just angry all the time. You're like, bro. Like, we know Jesus and we got eternal hope. Like, hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> that's fundamental. That's milky stuff that you like don't want. You're trying to eat meat and you're choking on the milk. I think you died on the meat. Okay, uh, <laughs> you dead now. Um, so the, so the, the reality is, is we're moving. It's a process. There's a start. There's growth to it. Number one, if you want to write it down, uh, becoming like Jesus is a process of practice. Becoming like Jesus is a process of practice, practicing what it means to be like. How many of you guys, when you were growing up, you like to put like your parents' clothes on? Anybody with me? You like to put their shoes on. You like to put their clothes on, their jacket. My dad always had these suits and stuff. I put the jacket on, I'm like, I'm dad, you know? Um, I put his shoes on and clunk around. Now my kids are modeling that. They're, they're, they're putting mom's dress on. Bryn puts mom's dress on. This is Bryn today. She puts mom's dress on. They got it all tucked under. I was like, this, this actually looks really good on her. 
my wife is like a, a negative six, you know, that's her size, you know, <laughs> whatever that is. But uh, she loves putting it on and I'm mommy. And so she walk around like Brynn is like, Brynn's boss. And I'm mommy, you know, I'm on this now, right, a little bit. We bought an Isabella dress from Encanto yesterday and she was mad that the flowers were printed on the dress. They were not real flowers on the dress that we got from Target. <laughs> so I don't want it. Well, we're gonna put it on sister. No! That's Bren. What is she doing? She's modeling. I want to put on, I want to be like mom. I'm going to be like mom. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to look like mom. She'll put my shoes on and clunk around. Both of them do. They all do, right? I want to be dad. Look, I'm dad. They're trying to be like us. They want to be like us. They love us. They care. They're, they want to be like us. And it's a process of growing and learning. And here's the deal. This is our entire journey with Jesus. We're, 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 we want to be like him and, and do what he did while he was here on this earth. And it's a process on learning in this relationship that we have with our kids. They don't know. So that we tell them, we tell them, and then they do, and then they fail, and we correct them, and we say, hey, do it differently the next time. And then they get better, and they learn, and they grow. And it's a whole process of learning. Here today, it's exactly where we are. We're, we're apprentices to Jesus, and we're learning, and we're growing. You know, you can find inside of Matthew chapter 17, a pretty cool moment in time. And I, and I love reading this story because it helps me to be like, you know what? I don't have it all together. The apostles, the, the disciples didn't have it all together. You know, I love in this story in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21, write it down, but I'm going to highlight some of it. Verse number 16 says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. This man had a son that was a, uh, that was a paralytic. He uh, had these issues. So he brought him or he was, uh, he would have Caesars and he brought him to Jesus and, uh, or sorry, brought him to the disciples and the disciples prayed for him and he couldn't heal him. And Jesus is like, man, what in the world? Like, ah. And so the disciples were like, why can't we heal this guy? What's, what's the issue? What's the problem? So Jesus would say in verse number 19, he says, afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Jesus would respond back, you don't have enough faith. What? You don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And I love about it because you get these disciples that are around Jesus and they're, they're being like him. And the whole process is to be like your rabbi. You want to do what he does. You want to act like he does. You want to wear what he does. You want to be, you want to be in his dust as he is walking. You want his dust to just be all over you. You want to be dirty from his life. Literally, that's what a rabbi was at that moment in time. You want to be like your rabbi, talk like your rabbi, act like your rabbi. And that's what these disciples are doing. They're trying to be like Jesus and they're going out and applying. That's the beautiful thing. They're not just sitting back on like, yeah, I know it. We can be healed. Sorry that you are seizing. God bless you. I'll pray for you, right? The old churchy stuff. Praying for you. Are you really praying for him? Are you even praying for yourself? Do you even have time with Jesus that you're pray praying? Oh, okay, cool. Right. Not to get anybody's grill, but just saying. They're actually applying, seizing, brought to me. Hey, lay hands on them. In Jesus' name, be healed. No healing. Ah, Jesus, you said we could. You sent us out to do. What is there? There's learning. There's application. There's failure. And what does Jesus come back and say? You don't have enough faith. Wait, you're saying I don't have, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it all together? Yeah, you don't, you, don't have it, you don't have it together. Guess what? You gotta learn, you gotta get better. You gotta, you gotta have more faith because if you did, you'd be able to tell this mountain to move. And it would. Where are we at inside of our spiritual walk in America today? 
Many people are, I know what the word is. Ain't applying it, don't need to, right? Because I already know it. I don't know why I got this going, but it's going, right? It's a whole thing, right? Some dude later is going to be like this. I don't know, I'm doing my thing, right? <laughs> Sorry. But it's application. And, and the reality is you don't have it. And how many of us in our faith today aren't, aren't hearing from the Lord that's like, hey, you don't have enough faith to believe that I can deal with your issue. And we're over here like, who are you to tell me? El Jefe Jesus Cristo or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> and we're giving pushback whenever the Lord's trying to lead us. He's our rabbi. We're disciples. We're trying to get better. We're trying to become more like him. We're trying to apply. You know, you can look at the story of, of Peter. Peter is a case in point on this. Peter's found on the shoreline. He's a fisherman, took on his dad's trade. Jesus says, come, follow me, right? I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll, I'll help you captivate the minds of, uh, the hearts and minds of people that you could be able to share the gospel with them that they would know the truth. Not, you know, you can fish now, but I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. You're gonna be able to do what I do, capture hearts and minds of people to share truth. Peter's like, leaves everything and goes. Peter gets into the journey. What happens? What do you find about Peter's life? Peter's learning. He's applying. Peter's failing. Peter's failing all over the place. He gets out of the boat, didn't have enough faith. He's sinking, right? <laughs> Peter's like, you know, uh, he's learning to trust Jesus. He goes out to fish, doesn't get the fish. Jesus says, go back out, throw it on the other side of the, of the boat, throws it out, trust Jesus and what he said, finds it. Oh man, Jesus, Jesus is truth. He knows what he's talking about. Cool, he's learning in the process. It's a process of learning. What did Peter do? You know, in the garden with Jesus, the temple guards would come to get Jesus to, to crucify him or at least take him before the Sanhedrin. Peter pulls out the knife, cuts off the ear of the temple guard. Bro, calm down right now. You massively failed. You're not understanding what's going on. Jesus, hey, I gotta go to Jerusalem. It's time for the son of man to give his life. Jesus, don't say stuff like that. Don't do that. Get behind me saying, who the heck do you think you are? Whoa, sorry, Jesus, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. I'm learning, I'm applying, but I'm failing forward. It's a process where, where, where you start to where you go. Peter's story, right? I'm not gonna deny you, denies him three times. Jesus goes back and finds him. He failed, finds him, recommissions him. He goes back out. Peter's a case point story. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, who goes out to preach? Peter goes out to preach, what do he say? By no other name shall we be saved other than Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He's failed, 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 applied, 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 practice, practice, practice. Now he is a key piece of building the church. You know how Peter dies? In Rome, AD 64, Nero, Emperor Nero, killing Christians all over the place. What is believed that the Emperor Nero had a conversation with the Apostle John that shared the truth with him and he rejected the truth. And the moment that he rejected the truth, his heart became stone and he became one of the most evil emperors that ever existed upon the face of the earth, but definitely inside of Rome. He was known for killing his wife, killing his family, killing people all around him, killing Christians in the droves, an evil man. Peter got caught up in that net. And what happened, they crucified him. They were gonna crucify him on a cross. And this is what Peter said, I am unworthy to be crucified like my, 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 my uh, savior. I'm, un I'm unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. And he died crucified upside down because he was unworthy to do it like Jesus. Think about where the journey started. It started off the shores that I wanna be like. It ended in, I give my life for you. I'm here to do what you called me to do. 
It doesn't matter if it costs me everything. I am willing to do it. And here's the deal. I am so un, I am unworthy to face death like you. It was a, I mean, he became like Jesus. He shared the gospel. He was learning in the process. Acts chapter 11 through 14 in there. What happens? The Lord would come to him and show him, don't call things unclean that I have not, that I've called clean. Hey, this gospel is not just for the Jews. It is also for the Gentiles. He had to learn and then go apply. This is a process of practice. You can't get away from it. doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus Christ. It is never ending. It is constantly a revelation of how can I become more like him, right? How can I do better? How can I grow more? This isn't about works. This is about a love relationship where we know him more and we grow into becoming more like him. Amen? It's a process that is being played out over a long period of time. Number two, if you want to write it down, the process of spiritual growth happens in community. The process of spiritual growth happens in community. We, we live in a world here today where COVID has blown up community. Here we look out and we're like, well, do you have the thing? I don't know if I can talk to you, you have the thing, because I might get the thing and that thing might, you know, and now you get fear around all of it and I'm not gonna go down that road, but you can definitely, the world around that is fear driven. That's why as soon as another variant comes out, immediately inside of our nature. When the Omicron variant came out, what did everybody do? <laughs> I'm not going to church. How do I know that? Because I was here and you were not. <laughs> That's how I know. <laughs> Every time a new variant has come out, people have walked, stepped back. And here's the deal, I understand. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not critical of that. What I'm saying is that this thing has created fear around community. But everything about our, our, our faith process happens in community. Think about the greatest times in your life where you felt like you grew, grew the most or where you did grow the most, it happened in community. Whenever you were growing up, you had a community of family that was helping you, whether good or bad, to try to grow, right? Whether, you know, Crazy Joe was giving you bad advice or not, you know? <laughs> Jesus was not giving you the best advice nor living the best life, right? Or whatever it was, or John or Terry, whatever it was. These individuals are trying, they're trying to help you form, right? The formation process. It happens in community. I think about in, in some of the greatest times of my life have been on teams. The greatest growth periods of my teams where we were growing together. I think about like middle school, my middle school basketball team, Coach Hines did a great job of coaching young men, but I knew everybody on that team and they knew me. I knew so-and-so, you know, he was like 6'6", six, six down low in eighth grade, you know? I'm like, dude, what in the world? Why didn't I get that? Um, and, and we were on team. I knew, we knew each other. We were in community and relationship in school and after you know, extracurricular activities. You know, remember those times whenever you were at that and you were in community with people and you were known and you knew people. And think about your life today. Maybe, maybe your work is just superficial. You kind of know people, but you don't know people. They kind of know you, but they don't know you, yeah. right? The most beautiful times is being known. The thing about Heather and I and our friendships with you know, a, a couple that we know is we know them. We know the ins, the outs, the bad, the good, yeah. right? And in the dark times, we get to step in and say, that's not who you are. Yeah, it's because we know them and they know us. We're called to do this in community. The world of isolation is the world of the enemy. That is for sure. What did Jesus do? He called us into community. 
hey, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? Matthew 4, come and follow me. And he called 12 people to follow him and they were all dysfunctional in their own rights. You think about one individual is this like zealot, um, uh, religious zealot, like this crazy, you know, uh, trying to reestablish the Jewish kingdom there in Jerusalem and man, Roman occupation, trying to push them out. And this, this group of people, they would like do these like terrorist attacks on the Roman guards and stuff like that. Cause they're trying to get them to, you know, out. And then you get on the other side of, you get Matthew who is a tax collector who is being paid by the occupation, you know, the occupiers. And you put them as disciples on the same team. Imagine that conversation right? Imagine that. Imagine like Ben Shapiro and AOC on the same team, right? What's the common denominator? Jesus. He's the, divide, he's, the, he's the unity point saying, you know what? Forget about all the chaos. Forget about all those things that you're trying to build. We're trying to reestablish God's kingdom, which is not a kingdom of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom of God that is far greater than any kingdom here on this earth. Let's get beyond that and think here, Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy, right? It's crazy. You get those two and they're on the same team, but Jesus is the unifier. Isn't that incredible? This guy that brings the team together, it happens in community. Come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Look at uh, another, another scripture inside of here. Um, Matthew 11 would say it this way. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A key statement he makes inside of here is, let me what? Teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is what? Light. It's light. The key statement though is come, but I'm gonna teach you. There's something you don't know. I'm calling you into community and you're gonna get around a whole bunch of people that now can hold you accountable right? Matthew 16 would say it this way. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and what? Follow me, right? Lose yourself. Lose yourself. Follow me in community, in relationship where you are known in here. It happens through community. You can't get around it. Church is where we should be. This place is where we should be. You know, if we're not intentional about it, the unintentional consequences are we will find ourselves in spiritual chaos, spiritual disarray. The unintentional way in that your spiritual growth happens is like this. You can look at it this way. Unintentional spiritual growth happens through this. Stories we believe. Stories we believe when we grow up. Individuals telling us about whatever, behaviors that they have. We learn just by you know, family or whatever the dynamic is. Mom did it this way. Dad did it that way. And we just believe these things to be true, right? They were financially lacked in stewardship. So we lack financial stewardship. They didn't treat each other relationally well. They didn't know how to operate in spiritual healing. They didn't know how to operate in emotional intelligence. So we don't operate in emotional intelligence and good relational uh, um, uh, dynamics, right? These are all, if you want to call it generational curses for people that have been in church for a long time, Generational dysfunction, because the curse died at the cross, just FYI. Generational dysfunction is bad behaviors passed down to next generations without a generation thinking differently according to truth, right? This is the power of being in church to learn different than what your past has. 
So it's, what do, we, what do we believe? Well, there's a certain level of living you have today, and if it's not rooted in the word, it's rooted in a belief system that came from somewhere. And so if you don't replacing that, then more than likely you're forming habits that may not look like Jesus, it may look like the family you come from, which may look like the world. <laughs> bad behaviors, bad, bad habits, right? That create bad outcomes, right? So in that process, you're doing it in relationship and those relationships could just be whatever. I mean, think about some of your friends, some of the most chaotic people, unintentionally, you're just friends with them, but you're like, why am I even friends with them? They're some of the most toxic people in the world, right? Now here we're called to make a difference in the world, don't get me wrong, and we're called to be friends with sinners, yes, but if we ourselves aren't saved and living a life of sanctification, more than likely we have no power to speak into anything, right? It's just chaos upon chaos. So you get these relationships and the environment in which we grow and it's toxic, it's chaotic. All of this happens, the low control part of it is all of us are on a journey and we're at each stage in life and it's gonna happen. We have experiences all along the journey. If there's no intentionality behind the life in which we live, we'll experience things and then operate according to what we know in the relationships we have and the environment that we've come from based upon the beliefs that we have and it's all chaos. The beauty is, is when we switch over and say, you know what, I'm moving away from unintentional spiritual development and I'm gonna step into a place where I'm gonna be intentional about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go towards sources of truth. I'm gonna be connected to the vine. I'm gonna vine and dine as we talked about last week with Jesus. I'm gonna change the intentional. I'm gonna get the right teaching inside of my life. I'm gonna get the right material inside of my life. Has anybody ever taught you the wrong way to do something? And you were mad all day long? <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? That was the wrong way to do that, right? <laughs> Wasted my money. <laughs> Wasted my time. You know, you've been there before. The wrong way to do something. So get the right teaching. This is like the apprenticeship process. He's called us into community to get the right teaching, to get the right practices going. Now we're going to practice what we've learned. It's all the stuff we talked about. Disciples are learning. They're practicing. They're failing. But they have the teaching keeping on, you know, happening. And it's happening through community. The beauty of community, the Holy Spirit's there in that process too. All these experiences are happening. The process from here to there, we get the right teaching from Jesus. We're practicing. Here's the deal. Whatever you hear inside of this room, go try to live it on Monday. I'm, I'm, I dare you to actually go try to live this stuff. Because we can sit in here and be like, yeah, Jesus, amen. Right? And it's so good. But I'll tell you what is the hardest thing to do? Forgive somebody that has trespassed against you. Try to do that. It's possible. It's possible, but it's gonna be a practice. The moment you come to a level of understanding that the dysfunction of somebody's treating you you realize what Jesus says, you've been forgiven, so you must forgive. He says, love your enemies. The moment you tread into those waters to say, man, I feel really hurt by this person. But man, Jesus called me to live in forgiveness and to forgive them. And then he says, love them? Oh my God. <laughs> Loving them comes through the power of the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. Because how you love them is gonna look different in every single season. But the, the reality is, is what? We're loving people. That's the, if you're just all knowledge, that's why there's really religious people in really religious churches with no lost people inside of them because it's become a yacht club. What did Jesus say? I didn't come for the sinners. I came for those that know that they are. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for those that know that they're sinners. 
And when we all know sinners inside of here, the beauty is we walk in humility to say we're in community. You may be on the start of your journey, but who am I to judge? Your sin just looks different than my sin. I'm just sinning different than you. My sin, you may not be able to see, but I still am jacked up toward from the floor up. I'm never getting to a place where I'm complete. I'm in community. That's the beauty of like, if you're a mature believer, you've known Jesus for longer than five years and you're disconnected from church, more than likely, you know the word, you just don't know how to live it. And you're living a word that is just good for you, but it's not good for anybody else. What do you call that? That is you are your own God. You're making up your own rules and you're not living according to the truth of God's word to live in community. Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. It's here, we're in community, right? We're not in Old Testament times where you're Abraham out in the backside of a field trying to reestablish a, a group of people. And with that, he brought a whole family with him, like hundreds of people. It's community, it's relationship. It's being known in this environment. It's teaching, it's practice, it's community, it's Holy Spirit driven. It's experiences inside of life that all this stuff makes sense. We're not disconnected, we're connected. And man, when you're connected to this community, you could do that. Church nights is key, man. We're coming to the end of our fast. It's going to be amazing. Church night, Tuesday, we're going to come in here February 1st. Ah, it's going to be amazing. You got to register for it because there's more people in our church than we can fit in this building at one time. This week, I got four services, but you got to register for it. It's going to be unbelievable. Why? Because there's so many people inside of our church today that are pressing in towards God through pushing away from natural foods to say, God, I want to grow spiritually. God is answering their prayers and they're coming in fired up, lit on Jesus Christ, ready to throw, to make this house come down. And it will. But hopefully you come. I hope there's so many registrations that we have to do two of them. Why? Because we have a house that's willing to spiritually grow and they know that has to happen through community. We don't have people just living on milk, but people really living on meat of what it really is application of God's truth, knowing what the right thing is to do. And if you're a mature believer, you should be in this place connecting with broken people. You should be connecting with somebody that just gave their life to Jesus Christ. You met him in your seat next to you. You said, man, I know the Lord. I've been with him for the past 15 years, 20 years. I know what the word says. I know what the right thing is to do. I'm gonna identify with this person that does not know Jesus like I do, that is on milk today, that needs to learn how to grow inside of their lives. My responsibility to follow up with them, to help them grow inside of their faith because I'm a mature believer that's here on this earth to bring truth and help people on the journey because I'm connected to a body of Christ. I'm in community. So it happens. Yeah, it's not, it's not very popular. I get it. It's not. But we have extreme individualism that's taken over the mentality of the Western world. We go at it alone rather than together. And it's the enemy of our faith. We're never meant to go alone. I thought it was crazy that in the UK a couple years ago, they, they, they started a new position in the UK. I think it was Theresa May started a position in Parliament called the Minister of Loneliness. I think it was what it's called, Minister of Loneliness. Because 20% of the people in the UK identify as lonely. Wow. Are you known and do people know you? That's a key question you gotta answer. I'm not saying by your spouse. Are you known and do people know you? You could be in a small group. You can get into a fundamentals class. You can come to church nights. We do all different types of church nights. We got serve days on Saturday. We go serve the homeless. You can jump on a team to serve. There's multiple different ways for you to be known and people to know you. You can serve inside of the church. What a, what a concept, right? I'm gonna make the thing happen that I love. It's community, it's relationship. There's a whole Slack channel that we have inside of our church 
that you may be completely unaware of if you don't serve. But everybody that serves, all like two, 300 people, however many, I don't even know what it is now, 200, 300 people, they are connected. There's a prayer and praise channel. Everybody's putting stuff on there, pray for me. Abe, I know Abe just passed his, his Orange Theory exam last yesterday. Good job, Abe. In Jesus' name, amen. But he said, pray for me. And then last night he's like, hey, praise God, I passed him. Why do I know that? Another girl's cousin was, a uh, friend of hers, uh, cousin was missing. Pray for us. Just found out yesterday that she's home. They found her. She's home. But there's a whole community that's going on behind the scenes that if you're just showing up on Sunday, you have no clue. The community and the relationship and the knowing and being known that's going on inside of this place. We want to look through a selfish lens like, what am I getting? Well, what are you giving? When was the last time you got in the kitchen and cooked it up? Oh, you just want it, don't you? Mm. You just want it. Right? Spiritual growth isn't a weekend, it's a work in progress. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not a weekend, it's a work in progress, and a work in progress in community. We want the weekend experience, the microwave pop. I'll tell you, it'll feel good. You have all the inspiration to change, but it's time to practice. And when you're practicing it, you need community. Jesus was in relationship with his disciples, so much so that he said, man, you will do greater than I did while I was on this earth. You will do greater because I'm putting myself inside of you. You will do greater. It's the, the process of practice. Jesus never stepped outside of uh, Israel. Greater we are doing here today because we went around the world. Jesus said, it's greater that I go away that I can send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have people all over the world, billions of followers of Jesus Christ around the world preaching the truth of God in every nation and in every single tongue. Greater we are doing, but come on, greater we can continue to do in Jesus' name. Last thing I'll leave you with is this. To spiritually grow, nothing is off limits. To spiritually grow inside of our lives, nothing is off limits. If I knew my wife just as much as I knew her when we first got married, we would have a big problem, right? The process, I know everything about her, every mole on her body, every quirk that she has. I know her dysfunctions <laughs> and she knows mine. That's the problem, right? <laughs> she knows mine. We, we, we know each other. We, we, we get each other, we, we, the flaws, the, the beauty, all of it. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits inside of our relationship. If there's some stuff I'm like hiding behind the scenes and like she doesn't know about, I'm like not opening up about, then there's gonna be some dysfunction in the relationship. The thing about spiritual growth is nothing is off limits. And here today, why I didn't go in, when we're talking about becoming like Jesus, I can jump into like multiple different things. I can talk about your relationship and your marriage and your, your habits. I can talk about all kinds of stuff that I would have offended the entire room, upside down, backside, everything in between. You'd have been like, ah, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Why, because we live in a jacked up world. A jacked up world. And I could talk about so many different sin issues and we would have all been offended, but here's the deal. When I fell in love with my wife, oh, there were so many things that she didn't like. 
But when we fell in love, I was like, I don't care who I was. <laughs> Your boy's about to change, okay? Hello, somebody. <laughs> She's a doctor. Most doctors don't marry scrubs, okay? I got that very early on. <laughs> I picked up on that, right? <laughs> it's funny because they're... <laughs> I think back to like stuff her parents told me and it's like, you don't know what they're like really saying, but you look back now and you're like, that was really offensive. <laughs> her parents are like telling me like, man, you probably wanna like start reading some books, you know? <laughs> you probably wanna like really start educating yourself because she's gonna be around people that are like really, and you're like, oh yeah, thank you so much for the encouragement, yeah. <laughs> you know? And now I'm on the other side of like, Wait, you were saying I was stupid. <laughs> I'm not stupid, right? Well, I was, but I'm not now, so thank you for the encouragement then, you know. <laughs> that was really offensive. That hurts me now, right? It's amazing. <laughs> David would say this in Psalms 139, verse number one. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. I'll skip down. You can read through the entire chapter this next week in your own time. Verse 23, he says this. In his relationship with God, this is his heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Imagine if we said this to our spouses imagine you know everything about me they're like oh sure do shorty <laughs> but hey on this side um i want to be the best spouse i can be to you so what i want you to do is i want you to search me i want you to evaluate my life go ahead and why don't you just test me why don't you just set up some test runs where you like throw some shade on me and you see how i respond how about that and if I respond out of alignment with our value system, how about you call me out? You tell me like, hey, that ain't the way it should be. That's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong mentality. I give you free reign to do that. Help me live as the best spouse I can be to you. Now, when I was preparing this, I was like, that, this is much easier said. And I, I don't know if I ever will do it, but I like saying it. <laughs> Imagine if you said that to your spouse. What would the intimacy look like in your marriage? It's like, hey, the way you said that was really offensive to me. That's my bad. I didn't mean to come off that way. My value system is that I honor you and I love you as Christ loves the church. So I was out of alignment and that's my bad. Here's the deal. I failed you, but I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna do better next time. And then you fail again. My bad. And imagine the process if we did this. And here's what David is saying. That's what we should do. God has inspired it through David to reveal to us that this should be our heart towards our creator. Hey, search us, test us, reveal in us where we are off. Tell us where we have sin in our lives. If we got sin, we're gonna say, forgive me. That's not who I am. I'm gonna do better as I move forward, God. Jesus, I just wanna become more like you. Thank you for revealing it to me. And this should be the intent of our lives. This is God's design for our hearts. Every single person inside of here, 
Doesn't matter if it was in 20, 30 years. Oftentimes, if the longer you know Jesus, the sins become internal. In the beginning, a lot of sin is external and internal, because internal is leading to external. But the longer you know the Lord, it moves less external and more internal. And that's the revelation of the Holy Spirit that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am susceptible to sin. There is no sin, I'll tell you right now, as pastor on this stage, there is not one sin that I am not capable of committing. I'll be honest with you. There's not one sin that I am not capable of committing. I could, but I love Jesus and he's got a plan for my life. And I wanna walk in the truth. So I deny the flesh, now walk in the spirit. I deny the flesh, I walk in the spirit. I fail sometimes in the flesh, but I get back up and I walk in the spirit. And the beautiful thing is, is my journey of failing is much further apart than it used to when I first came to know Jesus. Galatians 2 would say this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not I who live, it's Christ who lives. This should be the intention of our lives today. Wherever you are at, no matter how long you've known Jesus, every person in here, search me, O God, and test me. This is a problem in the modern world we live in. It's I am this way. It's the way I will always be. It's the way Jesus found me. It's the way he has to accept me. Here, there's many ways to Jesus. Many ways to Jesus. But when we find Jesus, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We die to the old self. We're born into sin, FYI. You say, this is the way I was born. Well, yeah, you were born into sin. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was born with a sin nature. Everybody has the ability to live according to the flesh. Everybody. But here's the deal. You met Jesus. You're a new creation. It's no longer you that lives. It's he who lives in you. So the beautiful thing is, is deny the old self, put a nine mil to it, let it die and walk alive in Jesus Christ. Because you love Jesus. Amen. We love Jesus. Just like when I met my wife, I was like, can't act like that no more. Can't do that no more, because I love Jesus. There's different expectation. Same thing when we meet Jesus. Oh shoot, I can't act like that no more. I can't think like that. I can't hang around with those type of people. That's an old life, I'm a new in Jesus' name. Amen. The first step in this journey is what? Knowing you're a sinner. If you've never met Jesus Christ, if you've never allowed him to be Lord of your life, El Jefe, the first step is saying, Jesus, you are rabbi, you are savior, you are Christ Messiah, you are the prophesied Messiah, the one who is to come, you are the one that came, you are the one that lived, you're the one that died for my sin. You are the savior of the world. By no other name can humanity be saved. Everything else is a good idea, this is truth. The first step is saying, I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior that has canceled the debt of my sin. That's the first step. The first step for a believer that knows Jesus, the first step is to say, it doesn't matter how long I know Jesus, I'm a sinner, still a sinner, but I'm saved and redeemed and I'm called to community. Search me, oh God, reveal where I'm off that I can do this right. I can live this thing right. 
not live selfishly, but live in honor of you to do this thing in community, building people up and encouraging people. If you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time to say yes to Jesus. No greater time. Right now is the time to say yes to Jesus. If you realize you know how messed up you are and how desperately you need things to change, I'll tell you this, there ain't no mountain that Jesus wouldn't climb up to come after you. He is recklessly in love with you. The question is, are you recklessly in love with him? And if you're not, this is where it starts for you. It can all change. Debt forgiven, sin forgiven, new creation to now live what God has called you to live. I'm saying if you're sitting in here today and you are repeating sin, repeating sin, you are in the habit of living a life that dishonors God. In a life that says, I don't love you, I love me. It's time to come to the end of yourself and the start of Jesus and saying, the old is gone, it's you that's living now. If you've never said yes to Jesus, just raise your hand with me. Heads up, eyes wide open. Never said yes to Jesus, raise your hand, wave at me, wave at me. Amen. You want to see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, El Jefe, your Lord and your leader. Amen. A couple hands in the house. Now let's all say it together. Say, Jesus, we thank you for your life and your living. We want to be just like you. We believe you're the Savior of the universe and you are my personal Savior. Forgive us of our sin. Come into our lives. Change us. Make us new today. Say, we're going to follow you, Jesus. You're El Jefe, and I'm the follower. As you say, it goes. As you speak, I live. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, can everybody say amen? In Jesus' name today. Come on, can we give it up for everybody? Amen. 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 Come on, this process of becoming. Sin is dealt with whenever we come to Jesus. Let's move forward and let's do it in community. Let's do it together. Nobody alone. There is not going to be a minister of loneliness in Pearl Street Church. We have a discipleship pastor. That's what that's for. Get people connected in the church. Amen. There's many ways to come to faith, but God has one direction for your life. Righteousness. Many ways to come to faith, but there's one way God has for your life, and that's righteousness. Go in becoming like Jesus and live righteously. Amen.